Kent Online News. News you can trust. This is the Kent Online Podcast. Nicola Everett. Hello, hope you're okay. Thanks ever so much for downloading today's podcast. Hope you had a good weekend. It's Monday, November the 22nd. And first, we're going to hear from a former Maidstone MP who's spoken today at the funeral of her former colleague, Sir David Amos. He was stabbed to death while meeting constituents in Leon C in Essex last month. A service has been held in Southend and Widdicombe read a statement on behalf of the family at the service and spoke to Sky News beforehand. The family obviously are devastated and as uh, Lady Amos, that's the widow, has said, uh, completely shattered. But they also want to know, the people of Southend and indeed everywhere else, how much the outpouring of love and respect that there has been um, has managed to sustain the family at this time. And I myself have seen the piles of cards and letters, huge, the masses of flowers, messages uh, coming in from everywhere, indeed even from other parts of the world. Uh, And it has meant so much to them. So uh, to everybody who was part of that, thank you. He was intensely interested in people. Uh, With David, you could never, ever get him to come away from somebody that he was talking to. So therefore, he was always late for everything because he was so interested. Uh, interested in the work of the local charities, interested in the people who came to see him in his surgery. It was never just a job to David. Uh, It was always something in which uh, he had, for which he had an intense enthusiasm. And that was infectious. And people knew that he was genuine and he wasn't just talking to them because he had to. Uh, And I think that has made a huge difference. And what I would say about today is this, Adam, Obviously, you know, everybody's very conscious of the terrible way in which he died. But I don't want David to be remembered uh, for his death. I want him to be remembered for his life and for what he did for Southend and indeed before that for Basildon. Our thoughts today are very much with the Amos family. Elsewhere, a man in his 40s has died after a sports car crashed into a hedge in Canterbury. Emergency crews were called to Bridge Road yesterday afternoon. Investigators want to speak to anyone who saw the yellow Mazda in the moments before the crash, which happened at around four o'clock. A teenager's been charged after allegedly carrying a seven-inch knife around in Gillingham. The 17-year-old is also accused of attacking a police officer in Granville Road on Saturday. He's been bailed and is due in court next month. A man's been arrested after a driver was threatened with an axe during a road rage incident in Sheerness. The suspect is thought to have tailgated the victim on Halfway Road before overtaking, stopping his car and getting out with the weapon. The victim managed to call 999 and drive to a nearby police station just before half five this morning. A man in his 20s is in custody. Kent Online News. Now, this is a topic we've covered a lot on the podcast already, but the issue is still very much in the headlines, often on a daily basis. What can be done about the number of people making the incredibly dangerous journey across the Channel to Kent in small boats? Well, the number of men, women and children who have arrived here this year is now three times the figure for the whole of 2020. More than 25,500 have made the crossing, up from 8,500 over the previous 12 months. Now Downing Street has ordered a review and has drafted in Senior Cabinet Minister Stephen Barclay to bring several departments together to try and find a solution. One idea reportedly being looked at is housing asylum seekers in processing centres overseas while their claims are looked at. But immigration solicitor Julian Bild says that could be unlawful. The government will have no real control over how they're looked after 
in these warehouses that they plan to send them to. Not that these warehouses exist, not that the government actually have any countries at all even suggesting they might agree to it. The issue of asylum crossings was also discussed on Pool on Politics on KMTV on Friday night. Our political editor Paul Francis was joined by Conservative Canterbury Councillor Dan Watkins and Labour opposition leader on Tunbridge Wells Borough Council Hugo Pound. Here's what they had to say. Sounds like I'm coming on to you all the time, uh, Dan, with uh, these, these issues. But this whole way of dealing with asylum seekers and would-be migrants crossing the channel the, the thing that strikes most people is that we're powerless to do anything. Well, we, we have limited tools at our disposal, I think is what, is what we would say. Yeah, it is really tough. You know, we had a thousand uh, uh, turn up on our coast the other day. It's incredibly difficult. And if we... Is, is there something that ought to be done that isn't being done, do you think? Yeah. I think, I think the model of success could be along the lines of what uh, David Cameron did many years ago with the Syrian uh, scheme, which was very successful, where, whereby we took people in uh, in controlled numbers, but they were taken out of camps in Turkey. So people were told you need to stay you know, close to where, where, where you've originated from, because it's mostly Middle East and North African um, migration. And, um, and then you, you, you have you know, the chance of coming over rather than encouraging people in a way to make the perilous journey across Europe and across the channel uh, um, to our shores. So they're rolling out a similar scheme now for Afghanistan. That's a, you know, the next kind of uh, trouble spot. Could we expand that further for, for all, all of the peoples uh, to just stop people making that journey across Europe and across the channel. Uh, but they have, you know, some who are crossing the channel have got very different motives to, you know, refugees fleeing persecution. Well, it's a, it's a mixed bag. I, I actually think most people who come over are fleeing um, uh, some persecution. I think the question is, why do they claim asylum in Britain when, when they clearly are very safe in France and half a dozen other countries before they even get to France? Uh, and that causes people concerns because we can't take everyone in. We've got to look after, um, if you take unaccompanied asylum-seeking children, we've got to look after our own children in Kent. We've also got to look after previous waves of, of young migrants who've come here. And our system is a, a, a real breaking point. And, and Kent County Councils have to be very careful about how it manages that situation. And it has delivered a good service, but, but only just. Hugo, what's going wrong and what would you do if you were Well, in I'm delighted by one thing that Pre Dan... Pretend you're the Home Secretary. Oh, I dream. Um, <laughs> but one thing that Dan said that with which I do agree, um, and it's interesting that you have put the proposition forward, is that yes, we need to fund um, methods by which people can remain nearer to the location from which they have um, moved, whether that's Syria or Afghanistan or um, Somalia or you know other places in in uh, around the world. Are you um, talking about places where they, their applications get processed before they? Not necessarily. Just safe places where they can feel secure and feel able to remain and stay until such matters are sorted out, either on their homeland or until they are processed in some other way. But to do that, you need international development funds. And one of the things that we have been saying ever since it was first um, mooted is bring back the 0.7 on international development because then you can start funding exactly the things that you've just been describing. At the moment that isn't happening. You need to separate out into international development from the Foreign Office and recognise that our responsibility is to help people to reside safely as near to home as they can be, which would be part of the issue. The second thing is, Priti Patel has been Home Secretary what, for two and a half years and she has done a huge amount of blaming of various parties um, you know, who are involved in, in the refugee crisis. 
But actually, if I read through the press, I can't think of a single genuine action that she's undertaken. Bosses in Kent are again urging the government to make it mandatory for authorities outside the county to take in unaccompanied child asylum seekers. KCC says transferring vulnerable children who'd crossed the channel to other councils has been slowing, with fewer coming forward to help. We'll keep you updated as this story continues to develop. This is a very concerning one for parents today. A number of football clubs in and around Maidstone have been warned following reports a man claiming to be a scout has been giving out trophies and taking pictures of young players. It's said to have happened at Barming Youth Football Club's training sessions at Gatland Recreation Ground. Kent FA have written to clubs and say the incidents are reported to have taken place between September the 29th and November the 16th. The man has been described as around five foot seven tall, black in his early 20s, wearing an England kit and carrying a football. It has also been reported to the police who say they're investigating. It's been exactly 100 days since a musician from Canterbury went missing. Dan Venez was last seen in the College Road area of Margate back in August. Police they're still searching for him and you can see his picture at Kent Online. Meantime, police looking for a missing Kent mum have released a picture of a white Mini Cooper. 34-year-old Alexandra Morgan disappeared from Sissinghurst nine days ago. It's thought she might have travelled towards Hastings and you can see that picture of the car also at Kent Online. Campaigners are gathering in Broadstairs in protest against what they say is the increasing privatisation of the NHS. They're holding a demo outside the office of South Thanet MP Craig McKinley as politicians prepare to vote on the health and care bill later. Celebrities including Stephen Fry, Joe Brand and Michael Rosen are supporting a similar event in London. Kent Online reports. Now the head of Kent School is urging parents and teachers not to dismiss children as woke. Samantha Price, who runs Benenden School and is president of the Girls' Schools Association, says term like cancel culture or snowflakes could risk progress on equality. She wants more adults to to understand inclusion, diversity and gender so they don't feel unsettled by it. We've been asking on Facebook today if in fact you know what the word woke means. Heather Peach says it means being awake to social justice whereas Susan Holloway says don't know, don't care. Jacqueline Skinner has said closed minds only interested in their own points of view. Whereas Louisa Medhurst has added this very much like the term snowflake is just used to offend folk when they have an opposing opinions to yours. It's an attempt to shut down debate really. And Chris Adams has said, unfortunately, there is a woke scale. And whilst centre woke can drive social justice and improvement in the world, the extremes leave a lot to be desired. Snowflake one end and goodness knows what the other. I hate the term woke, to be honest. Lots of you have been having a say. Some funnier than others, I must admit. But you can also let us know what you think about this story by commenting on Kent Online or also heading to our Facebook. Former Dover MP Charlie Elphick, who was jailed for sexually assaulting two women, has told a judge she's unemployed and making a universal credit claim. This is an update on a story we first brought you in Friday's podcast. He appeared in court on Friday after allegedly failing to pay £35,000 in prosecution costs after being sentenced to two years back in September 2020. The 50-year-old who's since been released from prison will face another hearing next month. A man who caused £17,000 worth of damage to Maidstone Crown Court says he did it to get back at them. Konstantin Shutov used a shuttle 
shovel to destroy six panels on the entrance to the building after previously being jailed for attacking emergency workers. The 38-year-old from Maidstone has now been sentenced to six months in prison, which he's already served while on remand. The family of a dad from Hauling who died in a motorbike crash are calling for his Facebook account to be reactivated after it was allegedly hacked and then taken down. Before it was removed, loved ones of Jay Hayes had been using his profile to write messages on his timeline and look at photos since his passing last year. Facebook says it's investigating. Now, a Kent mum is calling for more awareness of gynaecological conditions after spending years in pain. Amy McHattie was diagnosed with polycystic ovary syndrome when she was just 16, but despite having surgery, her symptoms continued. The 29-year-old from Ashford says it had a huge impact on her mental health. She's been speaking to Lucy. I was diagnosed with polycystic ovarian syndrome when I was 16. Um, I had a large cyst removed a couple of years after that. Um, And my pain just carried on. Um, It was constant. It never stopped. Um, I had bleeding that would last six months at a time without a day's break. Um, And I see a doctor in 2015, I believe, who suspected endometriosis, but didn't look into it any further. Um, I spent years and years in and out of hospital being admitted um, for them to tell me that it was normal or um, it wasn't as bad as I say it is. And I was it was all in my head. Um, until finally, a year ago, I got diagnosed with adenomyosis. And that was the root of all of the issues that I was having. But even my GP didn't know what it was. It's terrible. Um, I mean, when they did diagnose me finally with the adeno, they told me that it was nothing to worry about, um, that everything would be fine, not to... Google it, not to look into it, um, to just wait for an appointment, which to this day I'm still waiting for. I went private in the end and I had everything sorted. But yeah, to this day, I'm, I'm still waiting for a letter for that appointment to come through. You start to believe that you maybe you are actually imagining it and it is not as bad as you think it is. And that's such a horrible feeling because they just haven't got the time for it. I was on antidepressants for a long time because I was always so down. I mean, I was lucky enough that I was able to have my children while I had these conditions. I know there's so many that can't, but I couldn't be the mum that my kids needed me to be because my conditions would leave me in bed for days, days at a time. I couldn't even get up out of bed. So, yeah, it, it really did take a toll. I mean, I think it's averaging at the minute seven years for a diagnosis of endometriosis and for adenomyosis, I dread to think how long it can take because it's not known about enough. Doctors in the hospital didn't know what I was talking about. My GP didn't know what it was. The amount of times that I see people and I had to explain what it was that I had. And I used to think to myself, but you're, you should be telling me what's wrong? Why, why do I need to tell you? So I, I, I don't know why it takes so long, but it, it really does need to change. I spent hours crying 
after I got that diagnosis, literally because somebody put a reason on why I was feeling how I was feeling. It wasn't in my head. I wasn't making it up. It wasn't any less than I thought it was. Somebody put a name to my condition and it was just automatic relief. Kent Online reports. Now, with Black Friday at the end of this week, we're being encouraged to buy local in Kent. Many shops are still trying to recover from the pandemic and are urging us to support the local high street. Businesses in Canterbury, Whitstable and Herne Bay are joining forces to promote the unique stores they have. And the whole concept is being supported by Whitstable resident and Holby star Dawn Steele. I've been chatting to her. Black Friday, you always think about that, don't you? It's like it's going to be like, you know, half price dishwashers and tellies and blah, blah, blah. Um, and you have to be really on it to get the good deals, I think, as well. But I think especially now after, you know, well, still going through the pandemic, but everyone's, you know, shops have suffered quite a lot. So I think this campaign, what this campaign's about, is just trying to really um, support the local um, community and the community shops. And they might not have these amazing Black Friday-like deals, um, but what they do have is individuality and there's a more personalised service. Um, That's what I'm saying, even going down today myself, you know, I was like with Helen and Toys and Trends and, you know, and if you go into like Luskin, you've got Shelley and she'll be able to, because they all know me and know my family and know my daughter, they know what you like, you know, and they'll send you a text or get in touch with you on Instagram or or I can text and go, oh, I love that talk, keep me it unfortunately um yeah so I think that's what they're we're just trying to kind of promote and what why I got involved is because I live in Whitsville and um probably one of the reasons why I wanted to move here was the shops you know if I'm going to be honest you know when I used to come down and visit I just I fell in love with it you know we've got beautiful independent little shop so you won't get anywhere else yeah and I mean this time last year we were getting we were all looking forward to Christmas then suddenly bam we had another lockdown didn't we and and the shops really did suffer do you do you think over the this period though your have your shopping habits changed have you wanted to support your high street more than perhaps you did before yeah absolutely I mean I do try uh, and shop local a lot. I've lived here 10 years now, you know, and even over that 10 years, the shops have changed, you know, and there's loads more stuff. Um, and I try and get as much as I can locally. Um, I, I, You try sometimes with your food or things like that. I mean, that's a little bit more difficult because it can be more expensive, but if you try and support your local butcher, um, but I do try and buy locally um, clothes, you know, uh, candles, shoes. Um, we mainly always eat locally. You've been there for 10 years. You've seen you've seen the, the shops change. Let's talk a little bit about the wider area, because obviously you've got very bustling Canterbury, which is much bigger, and, and Herne Bay as well, another seaside town. Do you think they're all doing their bit to encourage people to, to go along to their local high street and, and see what's on offer? Yeah, I, I really see a difference. And when I speak to people in Whitstable, like the shop owners, that it's really it's going great you know people they've seen that people are trying to be supportive and I think people are just so sick of buying online I mean I don't know about you but all I do listen I do buy online of course I do of course I buy from Amazon you know it's just that is just the way of the world now and and I don't think 
Somebody said this morning, oh, can these local shops compete compete with Amazon? I mean, globally, no. I mean, they just can't. But I think if you live somewhere, I think it's important to try, even if it's just in a small way. So the shopkeepers were saying that they have noticed that there's a lot more people coming in and they're really happy to be in their shops, you know. Um, Canterbury, I like going to Canterbury for all the bigger shops if I need to get a nice posh mascara or a posh candle or or branded goods. You know, you can get all that in Canterbury. Um, and it's still not far, you know. Um, Heron Bay, I don't go to Heron Bay as much. I do go to Heron Bay for little things. I've got an amazing dance shop there, Encore, which I get all my daughter's dance wear from because I'm trying not to get that online as well. You know, I think it's a really good dance shop to try and use that. Um, and they've got lots of kind of bricky-bracky places in, in Heron Bay. And I just noticed there's a slight uh, resurgence of it. You know, there's lots of tables, even there's still tables and chairs outside at the cafes and blah, blah. You know, I still think they're trying to kind of um, keep that going, you know, the outdoor dining bit. And um, But yeah, you know, Heron Bay's got all, you know, it's got an amazing toy shop that's got the best fancy dress shop that I've ever been on and ever been in. So like we spent a lot of money in there at um, Halloween. Um, yeah, so yeah, I think it was, we've got a really nice, well, they call it the triangle, don't they? Um, yeah, and we're just very lucky to have all that in our doorstep. So yeah. A derelict arcade on Herne Bay Seafront could be transformed into a hotel. The former Tivoli Amusements on Central Parade has had a lot of interest from developers since it went on the market last month. It's hoped creating a new place to stay could bring more visitors to the area and boost the local economy. A new movie by Skyfall director Sam Mendes and starring Oscar winner Olivia Colman is going to be filmed in Kent next year. Production for Empire of Light will be taking place at Margate Dreamland between January and March. The love story is due in cinemas next autumn. Idris Elba's been posing for selfies in Maidstone after performing a DJ set in the town. The Luther star was at the Source Bar on Saturday night and stopped to speak to safety volunteers at the Urban Blue Bus. Afterwards, you can see that picture at Kent Online. Leeds Castle near Maidstone has been named as one of the most Instagrammable stately homes in the UK. New research shows it's mentioned in 105,000 hashtags, which puts it ninth in the country. Blenheim Palace is top of the list, followed by Chatsworth House Kensington Palace and Windsor Castle. And Adele has kept her spot at the top of the Kent Top 40 on our sister radio station KMFM with Easy On Me. Ed Sheeran's at number two with Overpass Graffiti, while Elton John and Dua Lipa jumped two places to number three with Cold Heart. Kent Online Sport. Football and Gillingham's run of four games undefeated in League One has come to an end. They were beaten 2-0 away at bottom of the table. Crew Alexandra at the weekend. We caught up with boss Steve Evans after the final whistle. I think for me it's a game of two halves and it went far better than us in the first half. Um, we looked as if we were too open. Uh, the game was too long for us, how we like to play. Um, we've got people playing in unusual positions because we have no option. Um, but we're just trying to patch up. We go in at half time. Um, I think we're probably thinking at half time that we're okay at that, that we're no down. I think second half we've had lots of the ball, lots of good opportunities to put good balls into the box. Like that little bit of quality. Then you get an ounce of luck when it comes off the inside of the post and we've two strikers from put it in, which looks easier to score than miss, but I'm not in there so you can't you can't really tell. The second goal is, is a goal you can see but it doesn't concern me. You know, we've we've got two at the back and five up front, so we're trying to get back in the game. Um, so we just we just have to get on with it, don't we? You know, we're people can see our team today, they're bringing Mikel Mandrid on off the bench and we're bringing young Joe off the bench at 16. So, People, Gillingham fans know what we're trying to do. 
I don't think we're good enough in most of the departments. Um, I think second half, we, we were good enough in a lot of departments, but unless you get your final delivery, perhaps you don't make the chance. I think bringing in young Harvey gave us a real spark. Um, you know, you're looking at a young kid who's 17, 18, we like one or two half, you know, 20 minute appearances to come on and give you a spark. But that's where we are at the minute. You know, we we all know about eight or nine players that would most likely start here, but they're not starting, so we're, we're in a period we'll have to come through it. I don't get angry with players that give us everything. And at half time, I was quite vocal about stepping up the intensity and stepping up the efforts. I think to a man, they gave us absolutely everything in the second half. I think supporters did off the pitch as well. They were they were in full voice. I think they, they probably felt as the crew fans did for long periods. The goals coming from Gillingham because we're so far on top. But being on top doesn't win your games, and that's that's where we are. And the injury hit Jills remain just at one place above the relegation zone. They welcome Cheltenham Town to Priestfield tomorrow night. And bosses at ice hockey side Kent's and Victor Dynamos have apologised to fans for having to call off last night's game. They were due to play Bristol Pitbulls at the ice rink in Gillingham but say the ice was unsafe. In a post on Facebook they've said sorry to the supporters left waiting outside the rink and refunds will be made available. They're now working with the opposition to try and get the game rescheduled. Well that's all from us for today. Thanks ever so much for listening. Don't forget you can follow us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. You can also now get access to the ad-free Kent Online premium site by subscribing at kentonline.co.uk forward slash subscribe. News you can trust. This is the Kent Online podcast.